Hey guys, it's Farzi Vasugin here. Appreciate you guys, as always, downloading and listening to the Chief Zone Podcast. want to give you guys a quick deal here. Uh, unfortunately, I did not double-check my settings with my microphone. So this podcast, the audio quality, will be different. I'm telling you now, uh, turn down your volumes because I'm going to sound like... Basically, I'm talking into my uh, microphone on the compu- on the laptop, so... I did make a mistake with this. I didn't realize this until the very end of the podcast, so you'll notice a difference in the audio quality. But I'm letting you guys know now: uh, if you have you, if you have your volumes up, turn it down because trust me, uh, I'm letting you know now. Especially if you got you've got earbuds, this is your warning. Please forgive me. I promise I'll double check the audio settings next time I do a podcast. So just want to let you guys know the audio quality is a little different. So do turn down your volumes. And other than that, enjoy the podcast. Alright, let's do this. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzi Masugi, and appreciate you guys downloading and listening to another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Available on iTunes and Google Play. You guys can always interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzi and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 and feel free to email me Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. I've got a lot to get into on this episode of the Chief Stone Podcast. Only one episode this week. I will be leaving for Las Vegas uh, on Friday. There will be, uh, when I say there's only one podcast this week, there will be a preview of, of anything for the final preseason game because let's just be honest, if I did that, no one would even give a damn about the final preseason game. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's it's the final preseason game. Like, what do you even say about that game? Who attends uh, the fourth preseason game? Yeah, I, I just don't understand. I mean, the attendance is already low for those kinds of events anyway. But I, I, I just get shocked when I see somebody in the stands. But, hey, uh, I mean, more power. You're, you're allowed to do what you want with your money. It's all good. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that game, what to expect. But, I, I mean, it's not like there's anything crazy to look forward to as far as the most recent preseason game that's the biggest stress rehearsal right there and after that third preseason game you pretty much know who your starting 22 players are and for the Chiefs they have that all figured out including what they're going to do after the injury to Spencer Ware who unfortunately is done for the year with a knee injury we'll talk about that in just a moment another big injury that took place around the NFL that could even possibly take effect in week one according to some people but I'm going to tell you that that major injury that's been the most discussed so far this week is not going to matter at all in the NFL plus this is a topic I don't want to bring up but it just continues to occur the whole not standing for the national anthem now is an issue in Kansas City because there's one Kansas City Chiefs player who did not stand didn't kneel necessarily did something kind of unique during the National Anthem, and I'll get into that in just a moment as well. Plus, in our segments to wrap up the show, got a couple of people who I'm going to throw my penalty flags at, and I'm going to be ripping a couple of people apart, just for being, one of them being a flat-out hypocrite, the other one who absolutely should not be coaching kids anymore. I'll explain who those people are later on in the show. I know you guys like it when I rip people apart. You guys are going to enjoy this podcast, this uh, edition of the Penalty Flight segment. Uh, I mean, there are a couple of people who I'm going to tear down, and these are people who absolutely deserve it. So I'll get into that 
later on in the podcast. But first things first, Chiefs, Seahawks, that took place Friday night in Seattle, and not a good showing for Kansas City offensively nor defensively. The only bright spot was DeAnthony Thomas, who even kind of had a bad, bad game on special teams, did muff that one kickoff return, and was almost gave it away to Seattle, giving the possession inside the 10. Uh, fortunately, that did not happen, but made up for it with that nice kick return touchdown for the Chiefs. And I think that's something definitely that that would be worth getting into. Again, these are all things that happen in the preseason. I try not to get too excited. You guys know me. I'm not too big on those kinds of things. But at the same time, when you see something that looks nice, look, you're not going to... You're not going to avoid excitement for it. You're going to be pumped about it, that it happened. And you want to talk about it. At the same time, when you see something really bad, you, you, you people on social media will say, oh, it's just a preseason. But at the back of our minds, we're all going to remember what happened there. I mean, listen, these preseason games, they obviously don't count. This, this has always been my motto for the preseason. They don't count. But they do matter. Well, I mean, what we see in these games, we have there are preseason games for a reason. There used to be a lot more preseason games in the past, and I was listening on uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio earlier this week. And there's been talks about reducing the number of preseason games. Uh, some of it for injury reasons, which I'll dive into shortly. But as far as you know, I mean, that fourth preseason game. To me, it's just, do you really need it? I mean, how much time and effort and energy do you really think coaches are excited to put in just to figure out who the last couple of guys on the roster will be? I know the preseason broadcasters like to pretend like it's such an exciting matchup, but let's just be honest. The only people who are really Paying attention to those things are the preseason broadcasters, the team broadcasters for the radio broadcast, the team reporters, the beat writers, because they have to put some sort of content out there. Even readers who read about these guys that are competing for, what, five, six remaining spots on a roster, people aren't going to go crazy about it too much. So that third preseason game, I think that's the most important one. It's, it's the most watched game by by fans because that's when you see the starters play the longest and for the Chiefs it was a really bad showing for these guys hopefully it's not a preview of things to come in the regular season because the pass blocking was very poor Tyreek Hill dropped a couple of passes Travis Kelsey also guilty of a drop and those are your two most reliable players on offense and listen with, with Jeremy Macklin and Jamal Charles released this past offseason if an injury occurs to either uh, Kelsey or Hill or both, God forbid, who do you have to turn to on this offense? And what if Alex Smith gets injured? I mean, you're putting Pat Mahomes in there, and he doesn't even have the top two skill players on offense in Kelsey and Hill. So this is kind of a nerve-wracking situation to be in, and... I mean, looking back, yeah, I did say that the Macklin release wasn't a bad idea. I thought it was actually a smart move. But that's because of the contract that he was holding on to. And I assumed 
But John Dorsey, being the being a general manager, I thought he had tried to restructure the contract, but according to Macklin, that never happened. Which, by the way, I don't want to get too much into this. We still have not heard from John Dorsey. He's got to speak up and give his two cents because the things that have been said about him, if they were said about me, I would definitely want my name clear. Because what if this guy wants to get another job? Sure, they'll do their due diligence and interview him and, and talk to other people about him. But at the same time, I think public persona, I mean, that matters. That has to. So many of these players say that they don't care about the media and they don't they don't worry about that. That's such a complete lie. I mean, look at Tom Bahali when he went on his Twitter rant. He even went off on Bob Fesco and Adam Teicher uh, saying that Bob Fesco doesn't support him and that Adam Teicher is always negative. These players know what's being said in the media. When they say they don't know or they don't pay attention, that's an absolute lie. And I've said this before. This is the reason I love MMA so much, especially with the fighters. They they are always upfront and honest. They know what's being said about them in the media. They know they, they're open and honest when it comes to their contracts. They're in it for the money. You hear pro players say they're not in it for the money, and that's a complete lie. Look at the amount of money that so many of these players are making. But I digress. With everything going on right now with your offense, I mean. Again, I thought the Macklin move. I, th- I thought that was not a bad move, uh, given the contract, but. You know, it happened. You can't really look back on that. You can't dwell on that too much. Kansas City does not have a lot of players on offense. Not a lot of viable options. So if Tyreek Hill or Kelsey get hurt, let's just say Kelsey gets hurt. Tyreek Hill's your only guy on offense. Your only reliable guy, I should say. I mean, at least the Chiefs have a top five I don't know what you would call Tyreek Hill necessarily, an offensive weapon, I guess. A top five flex guy uh, for for you fantasy guys out there. A top five flex guy and Travis Kelsey, arguably the number two tight end behind Gronk. And if one or the other gets hurt, the other one has to carry the load. At least with a very weak supporting cast, at least you have a top five offensive weapon or flex guy and a top five tight end. At least that can kind of balance things out on the offense. Now, Kareem Hunt, I know a lot of people are banking on him to possibly be a sleeper player, be a dark horse player. Sure, that could happen. We'll see. But as of right now, I mean, I just look at this offense and I think the defense is going to be great. And I know I've said this, I anticipate some low scoring contest this year because You've got an amazing defense, but the offense is always going to be a question mark. And I think that when you look at this offense, I would say since 2011, this Chiefs defense has been stout. They've been one of the best. Of course, they played a big role in pulling off the upset against the Packers when they were 15-0 at the time. Or 13-0 at the time. Yeah, 13-0. About to go for 14-0. So, I mean, since then, I think I think that was really the coming up party for the defense. Even in 2012, when the Chiefs' defense wasn't good, they held the Baltimore Ravens, the eventual Super Bowl champions that year, to just nine points, which was the fewest the Ravens had scored all in a season, which somehow they won that game. We all remember how that went down. That was the same game where Eric Fisher went off on the fans. But again, not, not the main focus here. The point being is the defense has been really good. Since, I think, 2011. Really since you've had Tom Bahali and Justin Houston. I know Justin Houston 
Anton Mahali have been a little inactive here and there, but still, for the most part, this has been an amazing defense, and you've brought in a lot of guys. Eric Berry has continued to evolve and get better, even missing some time in 2011 and 2014. Marcus Peters came along and has made this defense a lot better. Derek Johnson continued to grow as an inside linebacker. Chris Jones now part of this defense. So many guys who have joined this defense that have really helped the team uh, improve defensively. So you know this defense is going to be there. Now, since 2011, what does this offense look like? I know there were a lot of injuries in 2011 on the offensive side of the football. You lost Tony Moianke. You lost Jamal Charles. Eventually, you lost Matt Castle and Dwayne Bowen, John Baldwin. Remember him? John Baldwin? Yes. Those were your offensive guys. In 2012, very similar story. I mean, you had Dwayne Bow, You had McCluster. You had Baldwin. You had Jamal Charles. Very similar offense. 2013, again, similar offense, except if I'm not mistaken, I believe John Baldwin was already out. But yeah, John Baldwin was traded away. Uh, and Donnie Avery was the number two wide receiver for the team. So the offense looked fairly good in 2013. 2014, similar personnel on the offensive side of the football. No major changes. Travis Kelsey uh, was the only big difference, and he's continued to grow into a top-five tight end. 2015, uh, I mean, that, that, that was kind of hard offense to judge. Got off to a very slow start, eventually got things going with that winning streak to finish off the season. And then 2016, somewhat of a good offense, not great. I, I mean, Alex Smith had some good moments and some really bad moments, so you, you had an imbalance under center there. Now you look at 2017. How does this 2017 offense rank with the past offenses since 2011? And I'm saying 2011 because that's when I think this defense has been put together. I mean, this stout defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I know uh, Tyreek Hill's returning stats have a role in this. But NFL.com has the Kansas City Chiefs, as do many other fantasy websites, have the Kansas City Chiefs defense as the number one defense in the NFL. Even without Tyreek Hill's, if you had just an average return man, I still think Kansas City would be a top five defense because of what they're capable of doing. So many turnovers and sacks we've seen from this defense from the past few years, since 2011. So that's why I'm picking 2011. We know the defense has been great since then, but what about the offense? This 2017 offense, how confident are you? And where would you rank this offense compared to the offense each of the last few years since 2011? I've got to be honest with you. I'm not too stoked about this. Yes, you've got Tyree Kill, who might be outside of Jamal Charles in 2013 and even 2012. This was Jamal Charles' success on the field individually was overshadowed by the team's poor horrendous season. Tyreek Hill might be the only down to player you've had. And that's not to take anything away from Travis Kelsey. He's been he's been great, but the impact that Tyreek Hill has had on this team has been much more bigger than Travis Kelsey since 2014. And Tyreek Hill's been only on the team for just a year. And of course, they're going to reduce some of his special teams duties, having him only to return punts possibly from time to time will return kickoffs. But man, this is not an offense that I'm too stoked about going into 2017. Kind of kind of scary. 
That's something I want you guys to think about. And, and of course, Spencer Ware, I mentioned that, the injury, the uh, torn PCL injury that he uh, suffered and will undergo season-ending surgery. At first, the thought was it was a sprain, just an injury, not a torn uh, ligament, and that he would need uh, some sort of treatment to return in four to eight weeks. But it turns out much worse. This is why I never like to take uh, pre-diagnosis comments too seriously. Or x-rays. I mean, x-rays don't show you a whole lot. Uh, you just got to wait for the MRI. And once the MRI came, that's when you knew the real result, which was a season-ending injury for Spencer Ware, unfortunately. So, Kareem Hunt is the man in the... Uh, he's going to be the, the guy who's going to handle the rushing attack duties, for the most part. Uh, CJ Spiller has looked good. Chuck Hendrick West, of course, had some moments in 2015 when he and Spencer Ware filled in for Jamal Charles, but hasn't really been the same since. And, and same with Spencer Ware. He really wasn't as good in 2016 like he was in 2015. So there are so many question marks. If Kareem Hunt can be a guy like Jamal Charles or Priest Holmes, well then, boom, you've got a three-dimensional offense. And this is a completely different discussion. But listen, I, I know fans are excited for many reasons. For one, he he was very good in college. Number two... The Chiefs just happen to have a lot of great, not good luck, great luck with third-round draft picks. And I've got to say, I, I understand the pattern there. People love to look at patterns. I don't, I'm not making, I'm just not making my money on Kareem Hunt to do well. And look, if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. But as of right now, going into 2017, Kareem Hunt's a rookie. There was a reason he was taken in the, in the third round. But again, We'll see. There are a lot of players who were drafted in later rounds and end up becoming great studs. Uh, look at the as I mentioned, the Chiefs have had great luck in the third round with guys like Jamal Charles, Justin Houston, uh, more that we can name over, over the years in, in the franchise's history, recent history too. The past 10, 15 years, you've had a lot of great guys that have been drafted on the second or third day. And I know the, the format of the draft has changed, but you get the idea. Pretty much third round and anything after that. The Chiefs have found a lot of great gems late round uh, with late round draft picks. But you don't get them every single time. So we'll see with Kareem Hunt. If anything, if you want to look at it from an optimistic point of view, Andy Reid just happens to draft really well. Not only that, the players seem to develop and play to their potential under Andy Reid. So as far as everything we saw from Friday night against the Seahawks, I mean, gosh, the, I mentioned the offensive side of the football. The pass blocking was bad. The drops, I, ugh, man, that looked really bad. I didn't mention this, though. The penalties on both sides of the football. On defense, there were a lot of missed tackles. Uh, just didn't look good. And there was even a, a point in the game when Pat Mahomes came in, goes for that Bootleg uh, tries to look for a player downfield, can't find it, holds onto the football, and takes a vicious hit for a sack. And fortunately, it was okay. But I mean, you just want to see him at least get rid of the football. And again, of course, he's a rookie. I mean, no reason to panic so much. He's going to make some mistakes, whether he ends up starting a couple games this year or not. But overall, I mean, th those are some things that you want to see a guy do. A guy that you took in the top 10. Keep in mind, you've got Deshaun Kaiser, and I understand Cleveland, anyone. Brody Croyle could come out of retirement and start for Cleveland. But Deshaun Kaiser's looked fairly good in the in the preseason so far, and he's set to start for the Cleveland Browns in week one. He was a second-round draft pick. 
And I still don't agree with the notion that Pat Mahomes is not NFL ready. Who in the hell is NFL ready? You want to look at the 200 plus draft picks? And I know a couple of them will be cut this weekend. But you really think that all that any of these 200 plus guys drafted are quote unquote NFL ready? Absolutely not. So again, I'm not going to get into this because I've said this thousands of times, but what are you going to do with Pat Mahomes and Alex Smith? Are you really going to let Pat Mahomes sit behind your, your quarterback for two years? And please do not bring up the Aaron Rodgers comparison because you're pretty much saying that Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre is the same thing as Pat Mahomes behind Alex Smith. Absolutely not. Alex Smith has just won a lot of games in the regular season. Brett Favre is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Two major differences and two major different situations there. Don't forget about the contracts that you that, that you had to pay rookies at the time. That's another thing to keep in mind too. So again, I, I mean, I don't know what the future really holds for this team under center. It's just a concerning thing that you took a player in the top 10 and you're not... There are talks that he could not play a single snap all year. And this is, of course, of, this is, of course, excluding coming in during garbage time or taking a quarterback meal for the team or handing, off, hand, handing it off to a running back late in the game with a minute left when the game is blown out, whether you're winning or losing. So, I don't know. Um, listen, I, I know I'm not an NFL general manager. No one is. But it doesn't. it's not rocket science to understand that, look, this is... You gave up so much to trade up into the top 10 to take a quarterback, the most important position in this sport, and he's going to be making three, four million dollars for the next two years, and people are talking about him possibly not even playing next year. So I don't know. Uh, this is uh, this is kind of a struggle. I mean, just when you think the Chiefs finally get their quarterback. They don't get Deshaun Watson. They get Mahomes, and I'm not saying anything bad about Mahomes. Sure, I think he could be something special in Kansas City, but now looking at the situation where he's quote-unquote not NFL ready, find me someone who is. Do you think Dak Prescott was quote-unquote NFL ready when he was drafted? No, but the injury to Tony Romo happened, and look what he did to help the Cowboys. So overall, not a good showing for either quarterback, Alex Smith, nor Pat Mahomes. But at the same time, you've got to remember, it did not help that neither of those two got any help from their teammates on the offensive side of the football. So, not a very good showing for that final dress rehearsal uh, in the third preseason game in Seattle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Spencer, where you guys know about the injury, Kareem Hunt, as Andy Reid announced, will be filling in and will be the primary running back going into the 2017 season for the Kansas City Chiefs. So all you can do is wait and see for that. Uh, a lot of people are optimistic. I'm not as optimistic. I, I think he can be a good player, but I think people are expecting him to be the next Jamal Charles or Priest Holmes. And I know Kansas City's had some good luck with running backs, some bad luck too with so many injuries and off-the-field issues with Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Jamal. But then you've also had guys like Larry Johnson filling in for Jamal, or uh, Priest Holmes, excuse me, and Jamal filling in for Larry Spencer. We're filling in for Jamal. So 
you've had guys that have done a very good job filling in. So maybe Corey Hunt just can do just that if you guys really do believe in those patterns. Because uh, we know fans love those kinds of things. Uh, one, uh, one final note on the game, uh, and not necessarily the game itself, but before the game more so. Marcus Peters was on a stationary bike during the National Anthem. Now look, uh, I, I touched on this a couple of podcasts ago. And I thought we were done with this subject, but apparently it's just growing. People, there were a couple of people on the Facebook page who said, "I don't care about it. Please don't discuss it." That was the most discussed topic on the Facebook page. People care about this issue. So listen, I said this before. There's a reason why 32 NFL teams do not want Colin Kaepernick. The 49ers. Decided to let him go. And the other 31 teams do not want any part of him. And you've got other players. And his name escapes me right now for the Seahawks. Um, uh, my, my Michael Bennett. He was. This was a nationally televised CBS game. Between the Chiefs and Seahawks. And I can't remember the name of the reporter. But he interviewed... Michael Bennett, uh, at some point during the second half, and the topic of kneeling for the National Anthem came up, and Michael Bennett said, look, the reason I do it is because I want to bring unity, regardless of the color of your skin, your religion, your background, whatever your race is, or religion, whatever. Everyone needs to come together and be united. And I completely agree with that. But how is kneeling or not standing for the National Anthem going to solve that? Listen, these guys have thousands of followers on social media. That's a great place to go. Let's look at all the media we have today. There are 10,000 ESPN networks. Fox Sports has 10, maybe 11,000 channels. You've got all the all these podcasts and radio shows uh, so many because of the internet now and smartphones and how you can listen to radio shows online there are so many ways to access media now i mean you can really get sports in the palm of your hands wherever you are so all it takes is maybe an interview maybe a social media post you don't have to do this for the national anthem and i know marcus peters in uh week one Right before the Chiefs and Chargers played, uh, the Chiefs locked arms and Marcus Peters was on the far end and he put his right hand up, uh, made a fist the entire time, and, and that got a lot of negative attention for Marcus Peters. And listen, I, I, I said this before, the NFL is also a business, and according to the surveys, the reason, one of the bigger reasons that's why the ratings went down is because of Colin Kaepernick. And people not liking the fact that he kneeled for the National Anthem. Now, look. I get it. I mean, you just have to go with your consumer. But at the same time, and I didn't say this, I should have. Why the hell do people care about one person kneeling for the Anthem? I know a couple of people have joined in and done it. I know a few Browns players have done it. Which might be the only victory uh, QB kneel that they'll be doing all season. But as far as everything else, why are you letting... I'm just throwing a random team out there. Let's say I am on vacation and I just run into a few Houston Rockets fans who act like complete jerks. Does that mean all of Houston Rockets fans are horrible people? No, absolutely not. 
I think people need to, I mean, just because you had one or two NFL players that started this trend doesn't mean the entire NFL is full of horrible people. So I think it's ludicrous. Like, why the hell do people give a damn that one guy started this trend and starts kneeling and a few other players here and there have done it? Uh, We have 53 players on NFL rosters. So if you take 53 on all 32 teams, you have just a small percentage of players who are not standing for the anthem. Are you really letting these few players dictate whether or not you want to watch football? I mean, please. Let's not act like you've never done anything either. I mean, and people always say, listen, there are some people who are supportive of this. Look, if we all go to our workplaces and make some sort of political scene and make a major statement, guess what? We're going to go into the boss's office and you get the pink slip there. In the NFL, these players really have it easy because they're making millions of dollars or maybe even close. And they can do what they want. They can make whatever political statement they want and not suffer the consequences for it. Now, people are asking the NFL to tell the players to stand. Look, the NFL can't make the players stand. There's no rule on this. All you can do is just not allow the owners and GMs, essentially, to not sign these guys. That's why Colin Kaepernick has not been playing. And, and of course, people are protesting at the NFL headquarters with Kaepernick shirts. I mean, that's not going to do anything. That's not going to make fans. First of all, Roger Goodell is just the commissioner. He does not control what these 32 NFL teams want to do when it comes to signing a player. And again, I'll say it again. If these 32 teams don't want him, they just don't want him. And again, people want to compare this, how what Kaepernick did is not even remotely close to what a guy like Tyreek Hill did, or Greg Hardy, and I agree. But guys like Tyreek Hill learned his lesson, and he hasn't been in trouble since then. Colin Kaepernick continued to do this when he knew that the outrage was ongoing. And this, I mean, there were police officers in San Francisco who did not want to work 49ers games because of him. Because I mean, it got to the point where security did not want to do their jobs because of Kaepernick. And you listen, we need that at these games because we know, God only knows how rowdy these fans can get at these football games. So we obviously need that. What's the solution here? I don't know. If someone has a solution, let me know. Because I don't. I don't think anyone really has a solution. These players are going to continue to do what they do. Now, in all fairness, if Colin Kaepernick's doing it, and if he's not getting signed, what about Marcus Peters, who is obviously the number one cornerback in the NFL? I mean, is he just going to get let go at some point and no one's going to sign him? Is Michael Bennett going to get let go by the Seahawks at some point because of what he's doing? I mean, obviously the Chiefs need Marcus Peters. And I'm not saying, listen, I've never been opposed to Kaepernick coming here. If anybody has given second chances, it's Andy Reid. Which is why I was very shocked by the amount of people who are outraged with Michael Vick coming here after embracing Tyree Kill. Which, again, I, I know I'm getting off topic here, but you get the idea. If Andy Reid wants to give him a chance, then good for Andy Reid. He's done it with several other players before. So I, I, could, I couldn't care less if he came here or not. Me personally, I hate what Colin Kaepernick's doing. I think there are 
much better ways to go about this. I love the message he's trying to send, not the way he's doing it. And I've said this before many times. So I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how, how many more times I'm going to bring this up on this podcast. This is not a favorite topic of mine to discuss. And I know you guys as listeners don't like it because I've told me you guys don't like like it when politics become a thing on this podcast. And I know with everything going on in our country politically, that's the last thing we want to have tied into sports. And unfortunately, it has at times been a tie-in. And we don't want that. We just don't. So, man, I don't know. I know there are a lot of things in this country that people want to voice their opinions on with. How upset they are with the president, President Donald Trump, and everything else going on here and there. And... I think when we want to be, when we want to promote unity, it's it the intention is understandable. The way we're doing it only creates a complete opposite. I mean, look at Colin Kaepernick, what he started. Has that created unity? No, it's actually divided us even more. So listen. Uh, However you want to look at this, whether it's just a sports point of view or a politics point of view, a life point of view, I think Colin Kaepernick really effed up. If he really wanted unity, it only did the complete opposite because you have a lot of people who are supporting him and a lot of people who are completely against him. So this is a, this is kind of a touchy situation and one that really... It's not going to end anytime soon. And the media, of course, is just going to continue to show it. Uh, I mean, listen, now you've got cameramen uh, or camerawomen. Of course, nothing wrong with female photographers. Uh, basically, you've got uh, cameras that are looking at the sidelines during the national anthem to see who's standing and who's not. I mean, now you've got camera operators that are assigned to do that. It's not what they should be doing. I mean, I don't know what else to really say about this. A lot of you guys gave your takes on this, and I certainly do appreciate you guys being respectful of one another with your opinions. Uh, I know it got a little heated at times, and look, with a with a discussion like this, you just can't avoid that. But you guys are always welcome to give your thoughts as well. Facebook.com slash and Twitter.com at Farzine21 is my Twitter handle. couple important notes before we wrap up the show. Uh, as far as Chiefs news goes, earlier this week, the Kansas City Chiefs cut inside linebacker Josh Maga and acquired Bills inside linebacker Reggie Ragland as second-round draft pick from 2016. The Chiefs gave up a fourth-round draft pick for 2019. The Chiefs have been trading a lot of picks for the Buffalo Bills. Keep in mind, it was the Buffalo Bills who the Chiefs traded up with to eventually acquire Pat Mahomes. And now here they are giving up another draft pick, a future draft pick. For Reggie Ragland, who did not play last year due to a torn ACL. But as far as his college stats go, uh, pretty impressive stuff. Uh, maybe if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, he, there could be some potential with this guy. If you look at what he's been able to do in college coming out of Alabama, which, of course, uh, you got a lot of great de- uh, defensive players from Alabama that go to the NFL. This guy is a three-time SEC champion. And has been a first-team All-SEC guy twice, 2014 and 2015. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year in 2015. And, of course, 
also has a BCS National Championship under his belt, uh, I believe, during his freshman year in 2012. So this guy's got a lot of experience, a lot of great experience as a college football player. Also unanimous All-American, by the way, in 2015. So as far as coming to the NFL, listen, you can be a great offensive or, or a great defensive player in college. But when you go to the pro level in any sport, it's a completely different game. And a lot of times, oddly enough, the guys that are in the running for the Heisman Award or when they win awards like Defensive Player of the Year or, or Offensive Player of the Year in their conference don't always tend to do well in in the NFL or in the NBA. And so it's kind of a funny thing. I, I've never really understood why I get it. There are different systems. But at the end of the day, uh, sometimes things can just... Take a, a complete turn. Uh, I, I think it was Troy Smith and Chris Leak who were the top two quarterbacks one year in college football. Neither of them ended up having notable NFL careers. I know Leak tried out for the Chiefs at one point, and Troy Smith, nothing really happened with him in Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. So you 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 get this occasionally, and it, it is weird. Uh, I, I still remember Todd Reesing and Chase Daniel. They were both great quarterbacks. For KU and MU, but in the NFL, I mean, they haven't done a whole lot. Todd Reesing didn't last long in the NFL. Chase Daniel has just been a journeyman as a backup. Uh, kind of a rich journeyman, too, in Kansas City. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's just unfortunate to see guys that have done great in college but don't end up doing the same cannot replicate that success on the field in the NFL for whatever reason. Uh, and I know size also plays a factor in that, but, uh, I mean, we'll see with Ragland. Uh, pretty promising. I mean, this guy is coming from Alabama, an NFL defensive system. So there are reasons to feel good about this guy, uh, given the success he had under Nick Saban and coming into the NFL. It's just that torn ACL. He's got to recover from that and show that he's able to come back and be stronger than ever. I think that's the most important thing. And obviously the Chiefs are sold on him. Otherwise, they would not have given up a draft pick for him. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Chiefs uh, will have in Ragland. They need another inside linebacker. Unfortunately, Josh Mago was just not the guy, though I thought he had some highlights in 2014 and 2015. But since then, with injuries, he has not been able to stay healthy. The Chiefs have decided to part ways with him. And here they are now with Ragland, a guy who could be a starter for your team to start off the season against the New England Patriots in just a week away. One other piece of Chiefs news I do want to talk about uh, if you're a fantasy guy, maybe this is for you. I'm not a big fantasy guy, but Michael Fabiano, who does fantasy football for NFL.com, put out his top 200 players for fantasy football. He's got Travis Kelsey at 38 and Tyreek Hill at 43. Oddly enough, those are not the top two Chiefs players. From a fantasy perspective, the number one Chiefs player Fabiano has is Kareem Hunt. And he has Kareem Hunt as a 28th rated fantasy football player going into this season. Kind of surprising, too, because all Kareem Hunt has done so far is be named the starter, filling in as, as a rookie, as a third-round pick, filling in for Spencer Ware because of an injury. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I know in fantasy, running backs have a lot of value. They have the most value. Uh, maybe a guy like Tyreek Hill, who's kind of a flex guy, he, he, he has a lot of value as well, too, but... Man, it's kind of a surprise to see that Kareem Hunt is already getting some praise from a lot of people. I, and again, you guys know my stance on this. I'm not going to repeat myself, but kind of interesting. So if you are a fantasy guy and you like these lists, these projections, hey, why not? Go for it. Go for Kareem Hunt in your fantasy draft if you haven't had your draft yet. So 
hey, there are some people out there who like him. Maybe I don't, but there are people out there who are. And I'm not saying I don't like him, but I'm just not sold on him. I'm not as high on him like some people are, like most people are. So uh, if you like these lists, if, if you trust Fabiano, then, hey, go for Kareem Hunt in your fantasy football league. Why not? Time to wrap up the show. Let's start by going around the NFL. As I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard, Julian Edelman for the Patriots, the wide receiver for the Patriots, has suffered a torn ACL and is done for the season, obviously, with the torn ACL. A lot of people are wondering if that is going to play a big impact for the New England Patriots this season, starting off with Week 1 against the Chiefs. Look, I'm going to say it now. Let's slow down. Let's push the brakes because... In my honest opinion, ever since Tom Brady's been in the NFL, the best weapon he's had is Gronk. And he won a Super Bowl last year without Gronk. If Julian Edelman's not on this football team, he can still win football games. He did it without Gronk. Randy Moss was on the team for a couple of years, and the Patriots won a Super Bowl without... They never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. They went to one, but they never won with him. Tom Brady didn't win with Gronk last year. I'm not I'm not too crazy about this. Look, maybe perhaps, yeah, in week one, maybe Kansas City's defense could get the job done, especially with Edelman out there. But I'm not going to sit here and say that for the entire season the Patriots are screwed without Edelman. They won a Super Bowl without their best weapon last year. In my opinion, the best weapon outside of Tom Brady, the Patriots have had since Belichick has been in New England. So, I'm not going too crazy about the loss here. I know a lot of people want to see the Patriots go down, but listen, pump the brakes. It's not happening anytime soon. And speaking of these injuries with Julian Edelman, people have talked about wanting to reduce the number of preseason games because of it. Listen, the third preseason game is a game where you have to play two quarters plus generally the first drive uh, of the game in the second half it's not it has nothing to do with the preseason I mean these injuries could occur in OTAs they could occur in the preseason they could occur in week one of the regular season let's not forget about Keenan Allen for the Chargers and how that injury changed the entire complex of week one in the game between the Chiefs and Chargers that could have possibly set the tone for both teams for the remainder of 2017 so the way Things these injuries happen. There's never a good time for an injury. If you get injured in the preseason, your 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 entire campaign, your 2017 campaign, is over. If you get injured late in the season, well, then that playoff push that you need from your team. I, I mean, you're just not going to be there. So there's never a great time for an injury. Injuries suck. They're the worst. I've had a torn ACL before. I'm no athlete by all means, but having to sit out and not be productive, just lay on the couch for a couple of days and slowly move around here I hate it I I could not do that uh but uh, it's just these injuries occur and there's never a good time to be injured and I don't think reducing preseason games is going to solve injuries because you're still I mean we're still going to see injuries in the preseason early in the season midway and late in the season and even during the playoffs depending how long the team's going to be alive for uh injuries are always going to be a part of the sport and it's just an unfortunate thing that teams have to find a way to adjust and try to recover from that loss. I don't think injuries are ever an excuse 
to do poorly. And I guarantee you, the Patriots are certainly going to be just fine without Edelman because look who they have won without. Let's continue on. Let's go out of bounds. I don't think I've ever chuckled at a headline and just never cared to read it. Uh, and then, of course, here I am sharing it on the podcast. But I, I, I saw some headlines on Twitter. And on the Twitter news feed, uh, it, was, it was the top story there. But Kathy Griffin ends her friendship with Anderson Cooper of CNN. Like, really? This is a headline? This is a story? And I know Kathy Griffin's catching a lot of... I don't care where you stand on the political side. What Kathy Griffin did was absolutely wrong. But really, there's an article about her ending her friendship with Anderson Cooper. What does she do? Defriend him on Facebook and unfollow him on Twitter? I don't give a damn. I mean, the media these days will talk about anything. I mean, listen, it's not a slow week in the news. There's a lot going on in Texas, unfortunately. Some bad things. But man, I mean, are we really talking about a celebrity unfriending another public figure? Like, who cares? At least when there was a story about Kim Kardashian this week, it has to do with her and her family donating money for Houston Relief Fund. I mean, at, at least when we are hearing about Kardashian this week, which, trust me, the last thing I ever want to hear about is a is a Kardashian story. But with Kim Kardashian, I mean, there was a story out there that she's and her family have put together money to send to Houston for Houston relief funds. That's a story I'll take. And speaking of going out of bounds, I mean, gosh, got to give it up to J.J. Watt, uh, one of the classiest guys in the NFL. Of course, the, the dominance he has on the field. You just can't hate the guy. You really can't. And I, I read somewhere that he's put together $1 million dollars for Houston Relief Funds. And it's just unfortunate hearing news that, you know, these Houston games uh, for the Texans, for the college team, they're having to be moved to other cities. Uh, the Cowboys and, and Texans game is moved to Dallas at AT&T Stadium. The uh, Houston and BYU game, if, I'm not, if I remember correctly, is moved to New Orleans. Just very unfortunate. You never want to see these things. I remember with, when this happened with the Saints, with Hurricane Katrina, just a very sad turn of events. Uh, and gosh, gotta give props to people in, in Houston that are dealing with this and trying to trying to move forward with this. So many people's homes are destroyed. So many, uh, so many sad photos that have been posted online. I saw a retirement home of, of a couple of elderly people. I mean, they're just sitting on the couch with half of their body underwater, and they've been rescued, which is a remarkable story. Uh, there's, I guess, one family out there that has a sense of humor in this. Uh, the, one guy captured video of his home, of course, filled with water, and there's fish in his home. This guy, I guess, is a big fisherman, and he's bragging about the fact that he doesn't have to go out there and fish. He's ha- he gets to stay home, and the fish are coming to him. Man, if you have that kind of perspective during a, a, an event like this, it takes a special kind of person to see the glass half full in that situation. So, man, I, I don't know... Uh, I mean, you've got to be... I, I, I would have to think that this guy smiles every single second of his life. No matter how bad things get. Hey, good for good for him. Good, good for this family. Uh, some, some people are like that. I probably would be 
stressed out like many others, but hey, everyone's different. Uh, what can you say about that? Speaking of the Houston uh, issue there with Hurricane Harvey, that leads me to the final segment of the show. Time to throw some flags. Oh, boy. Uh, Joel Osteen, who owns a giant church in Houston. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a church that can seat 17,000 people. Somebody tweeted him and said, please open up your church. Let us in. And he blocked the guy. And then he said that the church is in bad condition. I mean, there's flood everywhere in the hallways. We can't let people in. There are two people who snuck into the church and started filming, and they showed the church was just fine. Now, eventually, after all the public backlash, he finally let people in. Now, listen, a guy who, I, I don't know what his title is, a priest, a minister, whatever, he should not have to do this after public criticism. This is a guy who owns a church and claims to be a great Christian. But lied to the people about his church being in bad condition. I mean, <laughs> uh, this guy is just a hypocrite. This guy's a d bag. I mean, I hate name calling, but he just is. I mean, there, there are some people who just like you make an exception for in these situations, and I think name call. I mean, this guy deserves it. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not I listen. I know people get a lot of bad heat. With their social media in certain situations. But this guy deserved it. It's just absolutely wrong that he would not let people in his church and lie. And say that his building is in bad condition. Uh, Just horrible. I can't believe someone would do that. I'll tell you who else. uh, Oh boy. Uh, This one I have a lot to say about. Uh, Ozil Williams. You guys may have heard this story. He is a cheerleading coach. In the Denver, Colorado area, uh, coaches. I, I mean, this guy has a very good background when it comes to cheerleading, and I guess he coaches uh, high school, high school cheer. And there was an incoming freshman who, I guess we could say, she's got a lot to learn with with cheerleading, but she's not good with splits. So they physically pin her down, and her teammates are on her sides, forcing her to split her legs. And the coach is pinning her from her shoulders, so she basically is physically forced to be in this split position, a very painful position. She is crying in pain, and nine times she says, please stop. And, I mean, she she's physically being forced to do something that, listen, splits are not an easy thing. I get it. It's part of cheerleading. A lot of people are coming to this guy's defense saying that splits are part of cheer and that people need to stop criticizing. Look, I'm no cheerleader. I've never cheered before, but I have done splits. I used to take Taekwondo. My brother and I used to take Taekwondo, and our Taekwondo master actually made us do splits. He would, We would partner up, and preferably with someone your size, especially with leg size, same leg size, we would use our feet to push their legs wide, and then we would also grab their arms and pull them toward us. Basically, we would, and I know, people are laughing at this image. 
Look, I know you guys are doing so, but listen. We had a rule that if someone has... If, if someone's in pain with this, don't force it anymore. Go with their pain tolerance level. And listen, even in martial arts, you've got to have flexibility. You've got to have good leg flexibility. Just like cheerleading. So, I've actually done things in sports where you have to show leg flexibility. The way that this guy... Listen, this guy, this girl might be new to, to splits. Who knows? Now, if I want to be a... a a buff guy. If I want to be muscular and I can only lift 20 pound dumbbells and my goal is to lift 100, I can't just start lifting 100 pound dumbbells. That's going to uh, tear up my body. This poor girl had tor- has torn ligaments in her legs because of this coach's inability to rightfully help her gradually have good splits. You can't go from 0 to 100 in one night. You gradually build your way up. Shame on this coach. And props to the school for doing the right thing and canning this guy. Because this guy does not deserve to be around kids ever again. Cannot be coaching them ever again. There's also another investigation going where he was at a cheer camp, I guess, with another cheerleading coach. In which this cheerleading cheerleading coach cut ties with Ozil Williams. Because according to her, a girl would not be willing to do the split uh, technique that he wanted to do. And he threatened her by saying that he would punch her in the face if she were to reject his demands one more time. I mean, this guy should not be around kids at all. Just disgraceful. Completely disgraceful. I mean, how do you let a guy like this ever be around kids again? You just can't allow that. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzee Vesugi. appreciate you guys downloading and listening to... This episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm going to be off to Vegas on Friday. But before I do that, I will record one last podcast after the Thursday preseason game. So be sure you to be on the lookout for another podcast that'll be out on Friday. And also, if you want to hear me talk about the Mayweather-McGregor fight, I'll tell you why Conor McGregor won that fight. Now, a lot of you guys are thinking I'm silly. I'll tell you why he won Check out my other podcast, the Cage Zone Podcast. I'll explain to you why Conor McGregor is a bigger winner from this past weekend than Floyd Mayweather. Check that out. It's the Cage Zone Podcast, also available on iTunes and Google Play. But as far as the Chiefs go, I'll recap the final game of the season, or preseason for the Chiefs. I'll also talk about the fact that the Chiefs have six nationally televised games, the most in the NFL, and... What that really means for the Chiefs as we get closer and closer to the season, the Chiefs and the Patriots will about a week away opening up the season. I'll talk about all of that on the next podcast that will be available this weekend. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Give it a like. Also, follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me as well, Farzine at Farzine Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you guys this weekend.